You're listening to Two Therapists in Therapy, a podcast about self-acceptance, self-love, and self-growth. I'm your host, Sarah Brill, a licensed clinical social worker, EMDR trauma therapist, and writer. And I'm your other host, Becca Moravec, licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, and Enneagram enthusiast. I'm a two, Sarah is a four. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Becca. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. Via the internet again. I know. It's crazy. I don't think we ever expected to be doing this many um, long-distance recordings when when all of this first began. Yeah. But here we are, eight weeks later, in May, recording, right? Yep. Um, how are you feeling today? I am feeling, and well, first of all, I just want to say, I appreciate that question from you, Sarah, because, um, I can go a long time without checking in with how I'm feeling. So I really appreciate that. And I am feeling settled. I'm in a pretty good routine in like my day-to-day life in my like little protected bubble of my home um, and working from home. And I feel, I'm feeling, I feel really grateful that I'm working from home because I know that's not the case for everybody. And I'm also feeling a lot of heaviness um, this week. Um, and you and I have already talked about it a little bit, but I'm feeling really heavy about the world and the United States and the death of Ahmed Arbery. Um, and so that, that's just weighing heavily on me and I'm hoping, you know, we can talk about it a little. How about you? What are you feeling? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm feeling really similarly. I think this has been a really tough week. Um, just like you said, between kind of the pandemic and then finding out about, um, Ahmed Arbery and it's just, it's interesting because, um, last weekend, Marcus and I were just thinking about different neighborhoods that we might want to live in. Um, and right now we currently live in a neighborhood that is predominantly black. Um, and for those of you that don't know, um, my husband Marcus is black and I am white. And so, um, that dynamic kind of is present in our, obviously our day-to-day lives. And so we've been thinking about, you know, the future and having a family and just thinking about what neighborhoods we would want to live in and what would be, what would be neighborhoods in the Denver area that would be both diverse and safe. Um, and having a really hard time kind of finding anything that really fits the bill. And so it was just really interesting timing to be going through that in our personal lives and then to have this news break kind of in the midst of, um, you know, being in a situation of quarantine and, and having, you know, my husband every day go out for runs or walks. Sarah, I can't hear you. Oh, just saying that, you know, being in the midst of quarantines and having Marcus go out, you know, mostly every day for runs or walks and, 
just feeling scared for his safety and feeling scared for the safety of our future children. And then also just in the midst of all of that, acknowledging my own privilege and thinking about how, you know, Marcus and I have been together for almost 10 years, but, you know, my perspective on racism and, um, you know, what it means to be a white person versus a black person would, was totally different, um, before, you know, being in a relationship with Marcus. So just feeling really frustrated and sad and scared, um, about the state of our society and, um, just wishing that, um, tragedies like this weren't still occurring. So anyway, that's a super long winded way of just explaining part of why it's been a really, really hard week. And again, anytime I talk about issues of race, I want to be really, um, aware of my privilege and any blind spots I might have. And so, um, it's a really, really, um, hard thing to talk about. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that, you know, we acknowledge as two white women on this podcast, you know, our privilege and also our work of becoming, you know, anti-racist allies and co-conspirators um, with marginalized communities, and especially today with the black with black communities. And so, we're going to link in the show notes some books for those who are journeying on an anti-racist um, journey to become an anti-racist ally and co-conspirator, and um, some other resources that are helpful. Uh, because yeah, I think that thought, yeah, thoughts aren't enough, right? We can't Mm -hmm. just think about it. We have to take action and there's some actionable steps that we're going to share, um, in our show notes with you. And we just want to hold some space for the tragedy and the (sighs) murder, the lynching of, um, of him and that it's not surprising. Right. And I think that is the grief is that it's not surprising. I actually just had this thought, Sarah, um, of a friend of mine in high school who is black and he, his grandmother lived in Georgia and he'd go visit her in the summers. And we just had, you know, not a lot of picture of what racism looked like because we were children of the 90s that grew up thinking it was like over in Colorado and it was not, it is not. Um, And I remember him telling me, I don't go outside when I'm at my grandma's house. And I was like, what? What? You don't go outside? Um, And I just like had this memory of him being like, no, it's not safe for me to go outside as as a black kid. And, and thinking that's just, that's crazy. And now as my adult self, not thinking that's crazy, knowing that is the reality and we have to, we've got to do better and be better and be allies and be co-conspirators. And we can't just be passive when things like this happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it, I mean, it, I just had that memory that it was Georgia and that's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. That's, that's totally crazy. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. And I think it's a really good segue into the topic that we wanted to um, talk about today, which is grief. Um, You know, there was an article that came out 
um, sort of at the beginning of quarantine at some point in March, mid-March, and I wish I could remember the name of the person who wrote it, and we can link it in the show notes, but the name of the article is something like, that feeling that you're feeling is grief. Um, And so there's just been a lot of talk um, kind of collectively about how this pandemic has really stopped everyone dead in their tracks. And, um, and yeah, I want to choose better language with that. (laughs) Stopped everyone, um, halted everyone in their, in their, um, movement forward, maybe, um, in the ways that, that maybe we all may have anticipated our lives looking, um, in 2020 and, um, there's a lot of loss involved in that, a lot of disappointment and sort of unmet expectations and and dreams that are not yet coming to fruition at this point. And so, um, yeah, so I thought it'd be interesting or we thought it would be interesting for us to kind of discuss how grief is showing up in both of our lives and then also to just talk a little bit about grief and um, what it is and how it manifests for people. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. I, I think that grief is one of my favorite, not my favorite emotions. That's terrible. It's not true. Um, but one of, you know, an emotion that feels like when you describe things that we're feeling as grief, we're like, oh yes, that's it. Right. Cause grief is more than just loss of life. Right. Which we are feeling the collective grief this week of the loss of a life and there's grief of other things and grief meaning this like deep sorrow right and so I think sometimes when we name what we're feeling as grief there's kind of this sigh of going oh yes that's that is what it is you just you named it so I'm curious Sarah when you think about that article which I pulled up um it's called that discomfort you're feeling is grief by Scott Baronado and we'll post it in the show notes, but I'm curious, how did grief resonate with you from there? And how is it showing up in your life? Well, it's interesting because I've actually been experiencing, um, so there's five stages of grief, denial, um, bargaining, uh, anger, depression, acceptance. And, um, we can talk a little bit, um, sort of about grief as a concept, but in a minute, but, um, for me, I would say that, um, I've really been struggling with denial. I think there's been a part of me for the past few weeks, um, or even up until this week, to be totally honest, um, oh, Sarah, I lost you. Oh, uh, totally um, honest. I think to be honest, even, um, since this all started, I think I've really been focusing on the silver linings, like trying to stay really positive about the whole COVID situation. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's good to like, try to make the most of a situation and to try to, to cope. Um, but I also think it's important to acknowledge, the gravity of what's happening and the gravity of what's been lost. And so for me, I don't think I really started to come out of denial until this week. Um, 
And then I've moved a little bit more into, I would say, um, anger and some bargaining. I, um, and maybe some depression. Maybe I have all, maybe I've bit touched in on all three. I, um, my parents moved to a different country in October and, um, you know, my dad is almost 80 and my mom's in her late seventies. And so I just have no idea when I will see them again. Um, and obviously I'm concerned for their safety. And so just kind of coming to terms with that this week has been hard. I think I was avoiding that, that reality, um, for quite some time and I've been avoiding the news. So kind of another form of denial, I think, again, you know, everything in moderation, I think too much of the news can be dangerous, but, um, I just haven't really been facing the gravity of the situation as much as I think, um, maybe would be a little bit more healthy for me. So, um, what about you? How do you feel grief has been showing up for you? Well, can I ask you a question about that? Tell me. How did you move out of denial and into, like, how did you make movement in your process with grief? That's such a good question. Um, I think a couple of things. I think um, one, just obviously being a therapist and bearing witness to, you know, all the different stories of how this is impacting people's lives. And um, I think there's just an element of that where, you know, it can't stay in denial, but then also um, in my own therapy this week, my therapist asked me how I was doing. Oh, Sarah, I lost you again in your oh, own. Yeah. So in my own therapy this week, um, my therapist asked me how I was doing and I, um, told her that I was having trouble staying in denial <laughs> and she kind of called me out on that and asked me, or told me, I think what you're feeling is grief. And then I just started crying. Um, so yeah, I think just naming the denial, having someone else kind of encourage me to move past it, um, and giving me the space to feel what was underneath it. I think that's what helped me move out of it. Yeah. 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 So how do you feel like grief's been showing up for you? That's interesting. Um, I would say I felt it really intensely the first three weeks. Um, and I think it showed up in this way. I can remember a Friday ending, um, ending my sessions and I like am in my, my office and, I, before I went upstairs, I called my mom and she was like, how are you? And I just burst into tears. Right. And that was my, I think denial and anger and depression was there. It was, I just in bargaining, maybe I felt it all at once. Right. It was truly like, I needed, I I was like, when is this going to be over? Right. And that's like two weeks in, which is funny to me now. Right. Um, but I, I was just feeling it, feeling the grief of like, there were so many things in my life that were canceled. Um, I'm like a avid theater goer and like, I've had four plays canceled, which sounds like, oh, that's so sad. But it, you know, it's like, what's the rhythm of my life before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like hoping that they weren't going to be. And I have, t- I have tickets for Hamilton in August. Yeah. And so I'm, 
I'm pretty sure when it gets canceled, because I'm pretty sure it will be, they haven't canceled it yet, but I know they're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, it's interesting. I'm like wondering, I'm like sitting. Oh, here. I lost you. Oh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay. Freaking distance podcast recording. <laughs> um, the, I, I'm wrestling right now as we're recording this going, am I in denial or am I in acceptance? Um, I think that I'm in acceptance right now, which the thing about grief is that it can change in a minute, right? Tomorrow I could wake up and be in depression and be angry, right? Um, but I think that I have settled into acceptance. Um, and I also, it's interesting because I have taken some big leaps that I'm, that like things aren't working out the way they needed to work out. Like I signed a new lease for my office, um, on April 1st. So I'm, I'm currently paying for an office that is sitting there empty. And I, I think that I'm in a place of acceptance and I think how I've gotten there is by crying a whole lot. Um, And then looking at truths of like what I have today, like, like always coming back to what is the fact of today, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If that makes sense. Um, Yeah, but I and I'm but I'm open to thinking about am I also maybe in denial, but I don't know that I'm denying anything. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've accepted that this is life right now. Um, and I think that the other thing has helped that I've talked about quite a bit is when this started, I, I really got into my meditation practice, which forces you to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. My therapist told me the first week she was like, yeah, we're going to have to meditate. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I did. And I was like, oh yeah, this is why I have to meditate. Yeah, totally. It's funny. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, um, just on the topic of meditation I'm having two thoughts. One is about the, how do we know the difference between denial and acceptance, which I have a thought about that. Um, so maybe I'll share that first. But I think it's that denial implies that it's too hard to think about the thing that's really scary or really sad. Like there's a part of us that's avoiding that. Yeah. Um, and I think when we move into acceptance, we're not struggling to look at the thing that I lost you at struggling to look at. Yeah, we're not struggling to look at the thing that um, has a lot of fear, sadness attached to it. Yes. Yeah. So, um, hold on. Can you hold your thought? Can I? That because I that the difference and maybe the reason I'm in acceptance is because my whole 2019 was a year of grief for Mm me. Um, and like facing a lot of like death and in both like reality, like death of beings in my life, but also death of like concepts and constructs. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I'm like, bring it on. Yeah, totally. <laughs> bring it on. Yeah. I love you. Uh-huh. All right. That was just my, I want to hear the other thing you were going to say. Well, that's so beautiful. I love that. That's like actually a really, really cool I don't know, mantra. <laughs> right on. Um, but yeah, I was also just on the note of like in, encouraging meditation. 
I was talking to someone yesterday that was like, wow, um, maybe we're all being forced to sit still so that we can learn mindfulness. And then it's from that place where we can all actually change the world. Maybe that's like the larger picture here is that it's not until we all get really still that we can have like true inspired action because if we're not still, then we're just reacting kind of like, um, to whatever stimuli, you know, we're presented with. It's that space in between that space between the stimuli and the response where a whole new world is born and inspired action is born. And so, yeah, it's just cool to think about the power of meditation and mindfulness and how um, transformative that can be if we're able to tap into it during this time. So, yeah. yeah. And I think the only way you can tap into it is if you let yourself feel the grief. Right. Right. If you acknowledge the grief. Right. Say more. Like, you know, we're using grief as this term, but if you acknowledge the, the, the loss, the sorrow, the, and and go through the stages of, of everything that that comes up in you, right? Because grief is not one feeling. Grief is, um, sorrow and loss, but we deal with it by, you know, bargaining, by being in shock, by, um, being angry by right and the ultimate goal of grief is to move to acceptance right mm-hmm. which is like what meditation and mindfulness is mm-hmm. right and my meditation and mindfulness i don't think the goal is to bypass feeling the emotions right it's to notice that mo- the emotions to feel them to let them be to welcome them in to get curious about them yeah absolutely yeah that's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to hear more about the acceptance being the goal of mindfulness and meditation. That feels really powerful. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't have like any scientific backup for that. Of course. Yeah. But I just think that was really beautifully put. Yeah. I think, it, I mean, it is with what is, right? I think that I, I one time heard this, I don't know where I heard it but it really stuck with me that the goal of mindfulness and meditation and creating inner peace is not so that you can just live in a peaceful world. I mean, the hope is that we can create peace and do some healing with it. Oh, I lost you. The hope is that we can create peace and and do some healing with it. Right. Um, But ultimately creating inner peace is about being able to tap into that when the world is chaotic. Mm-hmm. around us so Absolutely. like the like the world may never be peaceful right there will always be chaos there always has been chaos mm-hmm. um and there's also periods of calm right and periods of beauty and i think that the goal is to yeah to come to this place of acceptance because only out of ex- which is oh how amazing that's what our whole podcast is <laughs> I know. I was thinking that. I was like, "Wow, this is cool." It's what our podcast is about. Is self acceptance is the only way then you can actually make movement, mm-hmm. right? It's a Carl Rogers quote that says, "The curious paradox is only when I accept myself as I am, then I can change." Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Yeah, I hope I just made sense because I just totally was like, made ah! sense. "You totally made sense." So it's like. 
Yeah. It's like this um, encouragement for folks to um, feel their feelings and also be the observer, to not escape, to not avoid, to not deny, but also to have acceptance around the denial because it's a part of it. Yeah. Um, and to, to understand that when we can finally get to that place of wholeheartedly accepting all of our thoughts and feelings, that that's where we can truly impact the world and ourselves in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Can I read a, something from um, that article? Like, just please. Is there any way you talk about it? Uh oh, uh oh, I lost you again. Can you hear me now? Yes. This is happening more than usual. I know it really is. Um, it says it's about anticipatory grief, right? Which is anticipatory grief is the feeling we get about what the future holds when we're uncertain. Usually, it centers on death, right? Anticipating death, but anticipatory anticipatory grief is also more broadly imagined futures, right? There's a storm coming. There's something bad out there with a virus. Like what's going to happen? Our, our primitive mind knows something bad is happening, but we can't see it. Right. Mm-hmm. It breaks our sense of safety. And so we're grieving this on like an individual level and on like a macro level. That's from the article. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you had thoughts about that. Kind of, yeah, I think I have lots of thoughts that just kind of flooded my brain with thoughts. I was first thinking about other times in my life when I felt anticipatory grief um, and how it can actually be really important to like process through anticipatory grief because it can help us get to a place of acceptance of what is coming. Um, So... It can actually be, yeah, like I said, really important. I lost Um, you. It can actually be. It can actually be really important. Like I'm thinking about for me when I was in my early 20s, um, I had a lot of anticipatory grief about losing my parents. Like the thought of them dying was really scary for me. And I did a lot of work around that and a lot of like anticipatory grieving. And what it was actually about for me was, about individuating and, um, stepping into my true self and understanding that I was going to be okay as my own person and that I didn't need my parents as my, um, kind of guides that I had my own internal compass. So, um, and it actually really prepared me for, to have them move away to a different country and lots of other things that have happened in my family since then. But Anyway, I'm sharing that story as just sort of like an example of how letting ourselves grieve something before it happens can actually really help to set us free ultimately. And so I do think it's really likely that a lot of people right now are feeling anticipatory grief about, you know, because we are really facing the unknown with this pandemic. No one knows how long it's going to last, what the repercussions are going to be. And that is really hard for the primitive part of our brain that wants things to be certain and want things wants things to be predictable. But it it could also potentially, I'm just curious, maybe having that willingness to step into the grief 
maybe will help us tap into a more solid sense of self and maybe a deeper sense of um, willingness to sit with the uncertainty um, that could potentially be really healthy and helpful for people. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's security. That's a secure attachment to ourselves, right? Yeah. Secure attachment. Like, I mean, it's being grounded. I think that I have maybe somewhat like maybe a naive view at times, but I think also a helpful view that everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's also a very privileged view. So I I also need to say that, but in my like day-to-day life, I'm like, it's going to work out like really believing, um, you know, believing it's going to be okay. And part of that is like my groundedness and my rootedness in who I am. Um, cause I even think, and I, but I even think that like on like a spiritual level, not to get too like dark and morbid here, but I'm like, and if I die, that's okay. Mm, <laughs> and I, and yeah. I truly, I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't want to die. Um, not yet. And like trusting in the path, whatever it is. Oh, I lost you. Trusting, trusting in the path, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because we are such a, like our society is such a death phobic society. Like we, and what I mean by that is like, we don't like to talk about grief. Like you don't talk about it. We're not good at talking about it. We're not good at comforting people. We're not good at celebrating life or, you know, um, we like want to live forever. Um, and so I think a part of the I just like, I just took like a really dark turn. I didn't mean to, to be no, talking. I was actually really on board with what you just said. I think that's so true. I think it's, we, we don't accept death in our culture at all yeah. and we yeah. don't talk about it. Yeah. And so I think that part of like also moving to acceptance isn't skipping the stages of grief and isn't skipping the feelings. Cause do I have feelings about it? Of course. And ultimately it's like a trusting in something. And for me personally, it's trusting in something bigger, you know, the universe source, energy, God, what have you. Um, that feels important to me as I navigate grief. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I also just want to say, um, you know, I think in, in terms of like encouraging people to accept the path, however it unfolds, I think it's also important, um, to try to keep each other as safe as possible in the midst of all of this. I think, um, you know, there've been a lot, there's been a lot of talk about how, you know, people should be going back to work and, um, and how, you know, we should end social distancing. And I think I completely understand. I mean, to not be able to work during this time has got to be devastating. Um, and also, I think if we can really try to wear masks and um, be as cautious as possible with each other, knowing that this um, virus has has not I left lost just knowing that our this virus has not left our sight is really important. So for some yeah. reason, when you were talking about acceptance, I was thinking about, yes, and we can still also um, do yeah. all that we can to keep each other safe. But I think that's an interesting thing, right? Acceptance doesn't mean, right? That's like, that's like, a, like, we're not, we don't, we're not passive. We get to be active participants in life. 
Absolutely. Right? Like my trust that everything is going to work out doesn't mean I sit here and I'm like, well, I don't do anything. <laughs> right. It's totally be an active participant in life. And right now being an active participant in life means, um, protecting each other by wearing masks, protecting each other by being anti-racist, you know, and more than just allies. Um, it doesn't mean we sit back and be passive, right? Like it's Absolutely. like, because I think when we do that, we're, uh, that's another form of spiritual bypassing. Like it's just mm-hmm. all going to work out. I don't need to do anything. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So what is our encouragement to our listeners? based on this topic of grief and this topic of acceptance being a stage of grief and um yeah this idea of being an active participant in life I think my I want to share this quote by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who is the the person who did the research on the stages of grief right where the stages of grief come from um she was actually researching people who were dying, not those who were grieving the dying, which is what those came out of. And she says this: she says the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their ways out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern beautiful people do not just happen. And mm. so I think my encouragement is this with that. Oh, oh, oh. Um, can you hear me now? Yep. I think my encouragement is this is to allow yourself to be a beautiful person, to allow the defeat and suffering and struggle and loss and depths shape you, not harden you into like a person who holds compassion and gentleness and deep loving concern right? That we let this experience be, let us become people who wear masks to protect each other, who, Mm. right. Um, yeah. Let us open it, allow it to let us open our hearts. Yeah. To, to share grief together. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that feels like my encouragement is to, to, yeah, to, to acknowledge the beauty that comes out of this pain. Oh, I love that. Like deepen your empathy for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what you just said to share it too, because I think we're in such isolation right now um, that it's, and there's, there's can be kind of like a, an exhaustion as we've talked about in previous episodes um, with this quarantine piece and our brains being in such a survival place right now um, that I've, I've just spoken to a lot of people who felt isolated and also have not felt motivated to connect with people that they love. And so I think my encouragement just going off of what you said, Becca, is to challenge yourself to reach out to people and to share your grief. Also share your joy. If you're feeling joyful, you don't have to be feeling grief. But if you are feeling grief, if you are feeling hard feelings, challenge yourself to share them because we are all in this together. And um while we can't be close in physical proximity, it doesn't mean we can't be um, connected. Beautiful, Sarah. Connection. Yes. Connection is usually always a part of the answer. Yes, it is. (laughs) 
All right. Okay. Do we have anything else for today or is, does that, does that do it? That feels like it. Okay. We can't wait to be with you in two weeks. We're wishing you all well and thank you for listening. Yes. Take care of yourselves. All right. Signing off. It's Sarah and Becca again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can tune in on your favorite podcast player every other Monday to hear us talk with special guests about self-acceptance, self-love, and self-growth. See you in a few weeks.